This episode of the OP Radio Podcast, sponsored by Sex Toys. Get 20% off your first order by visiting cduniverse.com slash opie. That's cduniverse.com slash opie for 20% off your first order of sex toys. Rachel, how are you? George, how are you? Brandon Hollinger, how are you? What's up, Justin Robo? Lamb Chop back in the glass box studio. Yeah, man, we left. We left the ocean. I don't know a few hours ago. It always sucks to leave the ocean on a very, very nice day. Ken Freeland, hey, oh, been a minute. Thanks for the Facebook post with the great Patrice laugh. Oh, classic. Yeah, man. It's hard to believe, but uh, 10 years ago today, uh, this is not a good word to say. You want to say, Patrice left us. Patrice died 10 years ago uh, today, and I can honestly say, well, I can speak for myself. Not even close to over that. It's just a damn shame because... He was on his way to becoming one of the greatest comedians of all time. And 10 years later, his stuff still holds up. 10 years later, you sit there and go, I wonder what Patrice would have to say about the variants. I wonder what uh, Patrice would have said about Trump and Biden and Kamala Harris. He would have had a lot to say. He would have put everything in uh, damn perspective, that's for sure. Uh, Patrice and George Harrison on the same day. Wait, George Harrison died uh, today too? How many years ago for George Harrison? Yeah, I, I need to know. How many years for George Harrison? Because, you know, I'm watching the uh, the Get Back documentary like everybody else. And I'm here to say uh, I don't get it. <laughs> if you want to piss people off, just go, Hey, are you watching that uh, Beatles documentary, the Peter Jackson thing with the lost footage from 50 years ago? Just go, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because everybody else is saying now it's a fucking masterpiece. Patrice, man, 10 years already. Thanks for reminding me of that. I'll watch Elephant in the Room tonight. Right on. I was at that taping. Um, and it was pretty obvious after um, after the first show. He, he, uh, he taped two shows that day. And then, you know, they, they pick and choose between the two shows. And the comedians, they wear the exact same outfit. For each, uh, each show so they could, you know, match it up in editing um, after the fact. And Patrice had two identical brand new outfits for Elephant in the Room. And I remember going backstage to see him after his first, uh, his first show. And he was surprised I was there. He was like, you came? And he was, he was so touched that I went to uh, the taping of Elephant in the Room, which is like crazy to think because... That's one of the greatest um, uh, stand-up specials of all time. And the one thing I remember is the clothes he had, it, had on, excuse me, for the first show, he sweated right through, man. The, his clothes were absolutely drenched. And right there next to him on the hanger was the clothes, the exact same clothes, brand new, never worn, waiting for the, for the second show. And then he went out for the second show and he absolutely crushed it, absolutely crushed it. I like Yoko, Yoko's music. I'm that one fan. 
No one really likes Yoko's music, right? Uh, Pat Duffy, people just like to say they like Yoko to be a contrarian. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people say that Yoko Ono uh, broke up the Beatles. The fact is, that's not true. John Lennon broke up the Beatles. Because he allowed her to sit in that inner circle. That's the one thing I've noticed uh, watching the Get Back documentary. There's John and Paul and Ringo and George Harrison. And right in that inner circle as they're trying to create music for their for their last album and their last performance is Yoko just sitting there in the inner circle as they're trying to create. And most people would look at that and go, that's what broke up the Beatles. But the fact is, John Lennon broke up the Beatles by allowing that horse shit. Because you got to think that really pissed off a lot of uh, a lot of band members and a lot of people that were around the Beatles at that time. Vincent Scaramuzzo, Linda was there. Linda McCartney was there also. And George was a pain in the ass. George Harrison was not a pain in the ass. What documentary are you seeing? George Harrison offers up uh, All Things Must Pass to the Beatles to be on the last Beatles album. And they kind of were like, eh, they weren't too excited by uh, uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass song. So George Harrison is sitting there fucking frustrated, like, what the fuck? This is, this is a masterpiece. And then I, I'm sure in his head he's thinking, uh, I'll show them. And he put it on his album, and uh, the rest is history. But George Harrison, what I've noticed in this documentary so far, the Get Back documentary, didn't get a lot of respect. Not a lot of respect from uh, Mr. McCartney there. Although I've only seen the, the first episode, so... David T. Griffith, the Beatles were a soap opera, seriously. Well, anybody that's uh, in a creative situation, things get a little toxic. Things get a little sideways. Things get a little soap opera-y. So, you know, at the end of their uh, run, they, they all just had it. What I've noticed so far is that George Harrison really wanted to help Paul McCartney as Paul McCartney's trying to rally the troops. And John Lennon is just uh, googly eyes for Yoko Ono. They're, they're just in love, like staring at each other. This is what I've noticed so far watching the documentary. And Paul is uh, pretty much taking the lead. He looks like the boss. And George Harrison is trying to get in there with, with his ideas and with his songs. And uh, I saw Paul not giving him a lot of respect. And then Ringo stars just behind the drum kick going, I don't give a fuck about any of this. I don't care about any of this because I'm going to be a movie star soon. Talking about the Beatles is like beating a dead horse. It's not like anyone is coming up with a new talking point, Rachel says. Damn. Yeah, but I'm not a fan of Yoko Ono, and I defend her today because in the end, uh, yes, Yoko Ono was in the inner circle and in, in everyone's way. Now, if she was a contributor... If she was in that inner circle, but she was really truly offering up ideas and concepts for songs, so be it. But she wasn't. She was just in the inner circle, which I'm sure that just pissed off a lot of people. And you got to blame John Lennon for that because he allowed that. Basically saying to the rest of the band, go F yourselves. This is what we're going to do. She's going to be right by my side or I'm leaving this damn band. Pat Duffy, John and Yoko were the worst. Get out of bed already. <laughs> Uh, very nice so yeah we, we went to the ocean for Thanksgiving 
We had a nice uh, five, six day break, and uh, now we're back in New York. Um, and, you know, I didn't turn this live stream on for a few days because I was too busy eating pie. Lots and lots of pie. And F you to the lady at the farm stand. There's a lot of farm stands out near me. So, I, you know, one of my jobs every year is to go get the pies. And, of course, you got to go. If you're going to get three pies, you got to go uh, apple. You got to go very berry. And then you got to go strawberry rhubarb. Fuck that pumpkin pie in its pie hole. So uh, I, I, I knew we were going to get the berry berry. I knew we were going to get the strawberry rhubarb. So I asked the lady behind the counter. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for an apple pie. What would you suggest? And she said, my apple maple walnut pie. And I'm like, all right. She goes, it's a, it's a big seller. It's a big seller. I brought it home, and my pie was an absolute disaster. Everybody hated it. It, it was like apple pie, and then just imagine pouring a lot of syrup around the whole damn thing. So, so I, I ruined it. Uh, this year, we didn't have a traditional fucking apple pie because I listened to the lady. And then I was thinking to myself, you're, you're smarter than this. Uh, Pat Duffy, apple crisp is better than any pie. I said what I said. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving there, Pat Duffy. Um, but I went against what, what I, I truly believe when you ask, uh, somebody, what do you suggest? What is your best pie? What would you, uh, uh, offer? Uh, what do you think is the best entree? Excuse me. Sorry. I'm bloated from stupid pie. That's going to be my excuse tonight. They always, I think, offer up the, the thing that's not selling well, because they don't give a fuck about you. They don't care. So I bet this lady uh, wasn't selling a lot of her apple, maple, walnut pies. So when I came in looking like a dummy going, hey, what pie would you suggest? She looked at me and thought, sucker, and, and got to sell another one of the pies that wasn't selling well. That's what I think. Apple, anything goes right into the trap. Rachel, Rachel doesn't like the Beatles and she doesn't like apple pie. You know, I'm going to put Rachel in timeout for five. No, I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. I, I, I'm kind of bummed I haven't put anyone in timeout yet. Uh, Andy Volland, lots of studio madness made Let It Be. Yeah. I, I don't think the, the Beatles' last album was that great, by the way. What? I mean, you got Long and Winding Road and you got Let It Be. Those are Paul McCartney's masterpieces, right? And then you got uh, Across the Universe, which is a great song. And then you got, uh, what's the other one about the thing? Uh, Pearl Jam did the song. And then George Harrison offered up I Me Mine, which is a cool song for the first minute. And then the whole song changes into a whole different song. And then the rest of the uh, the filler songs off the last uh, Beatles album is pretty much filler. And it's not that good. I've got a feeling. Thank you, Ken. Give yourself a gold star. I love I've got a feeling, Ken. Freelund says, yeah, that's a great, great song. So they had like four really good songs off the last album. And then I believe a lot of uh, filler. Early boy band Beatles is trash. Later hippie drug addled Beatles is where it's at. I'm with you with that, uh, Pat Duffy. The poppy shit had to go. Watching Get Back being constructed out of thin air was stunning. That's what I was thinking. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, they're the Beatles. 
So they they know exactly what they want to put on this last album, and there they are just trying to figure it out right in front of our eyes. And who thought that that footage wasn't worth seeing until 50 years later? But then then again, you got to go back to, um, what was it, 1969? You got to go back to 1969 and realize that reality uh, TV, reality anything wasn't wasn't a thing for the most part. So, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at all this stock footage and now we come from a time where everything is reality, reality in quotes, reality based. So you're thinking to yourself, of course, this should have seen the light of day uh, way before it did. But, you know, you got to remember, you got to put it into context that uh, back in the day, they, they weren't into the whole reality TV, reality movie thing. But I think the documentary is fantastic. Did you hear that? There was a there was some rumbling in my pants. <laughs> Brian Wilson is a pure soul, unlike the demonic Beatles. Kennedy Williams, what's wrong with you? Oh, good point, Mike McPhee. Kennedy Williams, if the Beatles are demonic, what are the Stones? Right on. Yeah, the Stones were the ones that always said uh, they would let the Beatles wear the white hats. And the Stones wanted to wear the black hats. They wanted to be the bad boys and let the Beatles be uh, all uh, prim and proper. But then again, you know, then the Beatles went through their drug stage and grew their hair out and grew beards and whatnot. But uh, in the beginning, certainly, the Beatles were wearing the white hats and the Stones were wearing the black hats. And I like the Stones over the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, 70s Stones. Pat Duffy. Isn't it weird that all TV is basically reality-based now to the point that a traditional sitcom looks strange? Yeah, of course. I haven't watched a sitcom in fucking years, man. I always thought sitcoms were garbage. Try to remember the last sitcom I actually liked. I wasn't a Seinfeld uh, fan. I wasn't a Friends fan. Uh, everybody loves Raymond. Oh, God, no. Because they were all using the same formula. What was the last sitcom I couldn't wait to watch? Oh, my. I couldn't even tell you. DQ. Any shows with fake applause tracks are terrible. Well, here's the problem with uh, with sitcoms. The key with comedy is uh, doing it pretty much the first time and off the cuff. Quote off the cuff. Because I, I understand there's a lot of scripts and whatnot. But I think what ruins sitcoms, I think what ruins um, funny movies, comedies, is the fact that they do the scenes over and over and over again, and it loses its uh, its punch. And these stupid assholes, I think they know better behind the scenes. So you got you got a scene right where the actor just crushes it, crushes the line, gets the big laugh, it feels natural and organic, and then all of a sudden, some dumb director's looking through that dumb thing like this it goes oh my god there was a shadow the shadow's wrong in the scene and then everyone has to break down for two or three hours so they can fix the fucking set as he's still looking all right i guess we got rid of the shadow and then that same poor comedic actor has to go back on set i've seen this over the years i've been lucky enough to be on sets and all of a sudden the guy can't deliver the line the same way he delivers it but not as good as the first time that just happened to have the stupid shadow in the shot. Who cares at that point if, if the laugh was there and it was organic? Just, just leave the fucking shadow in the, in the shot. 
Oh, right on, Nero Win. I, I did this years ago. Look up YouTube, Big Bang Theory, No Laugh Track. It's hilarious. It's just nerds being gross and cruel to each other. It's, it's mad uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it shows you that uh, these studios pump up every show with that dumb laugh tra- uh, track. Excuse me. I bit my fucking tongue, and I'm trying to make believe I didn't. Probably because my mouth's like, where's my pie? You haven't eaten a piece of pie in an hour. Oh, my God. I bit my tongue bad. But, um, yeah, I, I saw that. And, and uh, these sitcoms, they rely on the laugh track. And they can make anything funny if they just sweeten it with a stupid laugh track. You take the laughs away. And uh, the Big Bang Theory is a very, very good example. And you certainly could go on YouTube and check it out for yourself. You're not going to believe how unfunny... Uh, well, the scenes they showed that were real scenes from the sitcom without the laugh track. It plays completely different. Graham Crawford IV. How are you, brother man? Brother man, brother man. Most of those sitcoms are made for middle America and have to stick to a formula. Most network TV sucks. Well, of course. I mean, network TV had such a head start, uh, but it happens to the best of them. Satellite radio had a head start. And then they just allow everybody else to, to come on board. And, uh, and then all these other uh, outlets end up passing them by. With sitcoms, it's like, you know, they started doing reality TV. And, and, and they started uh, uh, allowing all these other streaming services to come in with shows that probably were good enough for the networks. But some stupid network exec in a dumb office looking over Hollywood Hills. It's like, ah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because this is different than the formula that we use. I don't get it. What is this about? So then those people go, well, fuck you. We're going to Netflix, bitch. We're going to Hulu, bitch. We're Disney plussing our asses off, bitch. And that's why you got so many uh, great shows all over the place right now. Because the networks allowed that to happen because they wanted to play it safe for way too long. All right, let me jump in here and talk about sex toys. <laughs> Go to cduniverse.com slash opie for 20% off your first order right now. You know, CD Universe, it's a small business out of Connecticut. They have like a dozen employees. Selling adult products wasn't planned. A vendor accidentally shipped a box of porn and they said, why not? And the rest is history. You want to know what they got? Of course you do. Bullets, vibrators, including the rabbits, strokers. What the hell's a stroker? Lubricants, bondage gear, dildos, cock rings, anal toys for grandma, and everything else. Shipping and billing are completely discreet. Of course. Boo. <laughs> Why make it discreet? Let the nosy neighbors know, that's right, I got a box of sex toys. Go away, Karen. And yes, CD Universe's website is safe and secure. All right, you're going to get 20% off your first order by visiting cduniverse.com slash opie. That's cduniverse.com slash opie for 20% off your first order. Look at Chuck Glenn just throwing $25 at me like it's nothing. Thank you, sir. It's no big deal that I filled up my tank for uh, a cool $95 today to get us all back to the city. 
Louis Shands, I think John Goodman and Becky are horrible now with acting delivery slash. Jackie has remained great, but the writing and everything else is nowhere near the 90s stuff, in my opinion. Are you talking about uh, Roseanne's show without Roseanne? Man, it takes balls. We're going to do the Roseanne show without Roseanne. Fuck her. Oh, we support everything she does, and we believe uh, everything she said is correct. And uh, she was just speaking the truth. But we can't say that publicly, so this is what we're going to say publicly. Fuck her. Let's do the show without her. A whole bunch of phonies out there. They probably even called her like, you know. We support you and everything. And she's probably like, oh, that's awesome. Because, you know, if you guys publicly speak out and, and support me, then we could continue with this show. Yeah, I mean, we support you, but we're not going to be able to say anything publicly. So, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, we love you. <laughs> and then they sign contracts without her. Uh, Jennifer Ferris got her brand new Pat Duffy shirt from OPRadio.com, by the way. Yeah, man, we, uh, we have brand new merch. Just in time for the holidays. Just, well, not in time for Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. They do it right, by the way. They give one gift a night or something like that. Spread it out all nice. Us, uh, us uh, Christmas people. I'm going to go non-religion. So I call it Christmas people. Uh, you know, Christmas morning, it's a pile of fucking presents all the way up to the ceiling. And I don't know if the kids uh, fully appreciate it because they just rip through their gifts within 20 minutes. But that Hanukkah, giving a gift or two here and there for seven or eight uh, straight days, I think that's the way to go. <laughs> I'm not anti-Semitic, you lunatic. Jim Sharkey, Opie's anti-Semitic. No shirts for the Opster. <laughs> Jesus, I'm not. I just assumed Hanukkah is around Christmas every year, but I can't I can't follow the Jewish calendar. All of a sudden they decide this year to have Hanukkah the day after Thanksgiving or something like that. That's that's just crazy. Who would do that? Let's see. Let's go to Rachel up there in Minnesota. Try having Christmas and both kids' birthdays in December. Then talk to me. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, but that's on you, man. When he's putting it in, you got to think ahead. There was a time, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Got to spread this shit out. So when he's putting it in, in your head, you got to think the nine, ten months, right? And go, oh, no, 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 this ain't good. The kid's going to be born right around Christmas. And we'll never be able to take care of that properly. Oh, people try. My uh, my sister-in-law, she's... Her birthday's either uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And, oh, they try. And over the years, everyone is enjoying their Christmas presents, you know. And in the middle of it, all of a sudden, my brother comes out with a little birthday cake. Like, let's not forget Blah Blah's birthday. And then it's like just a kind of afterthought. And she blows out the candles. And then there's like one extra gift for her birthday. And then immediately, everyone goes back to celebrating Christmas. <laughs> Rachel <laughs> Rachel with the puke emojis uh, that means I did my job today by the way I wasn't thinking about that in March 
Yeah, man, you got to figure all that shit out. That's on you. You got to take responsibility for that. He's sliding it in, and you're thinking, no, 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 no. That means this this kid's going to be born on Hanukkah. We can't do that. Opie, too good for today's satellite radio landscape. That's right. I'm talking to a little over 100 people, and I made $25. You're right. I'm too good for satellite radio. Uh, Pat Duffy, my daughter's birthday in January when everybody is broke from Christmas. Yeah, that's not, see, that's on you, Pat. When you guys were, you know, when you guys were, you know, you got to like do the math. Ah, shit, this kid's going to be born when everyone's broke. Pat again, Pat Duffy, I like to bang in the spring. I apologize to no one. (laughs) Good, good. Well, I I mean, I screwed up too. I'm not going to lie to you. But it was the only time we could get the venue. I got married at the Ritz-Carlton down there in Philly. And got married in the Sixth uh, Sense Church, if you need to know. I know you weren't asking, but I'm giving you a little, uh, a little, uh, you know, a little uh, inside baseball. And so uh, the only day that was available was uh, the day that John F. Kennedy got assassinated. A lot of people focus on that instead of uh, my damn anniversary. And for the people following at home, I've been married 13 years. Yes. I say that to the old uh, timers because I'm sure they remember the day I announced it on the old radio show. Well, that was 13 years ago that I got married. And it also falls uh, right around Thanksgiving, which always sucks too. So so I kind of fucked it up as well. Vivek Sharma. The Ritz is amazing. Uh, went to a wedding there once. Incredible time. Thank you. You know, I'm embarrassed to say this, but what the hell? You know, it's just us. It's not a lot of people. Uh, I got a wedding planner for our wedding because we didn't really want to deal with it. And we, we knew we wanted to really make it a special night for, for not only ourselves, but everybody. And to this day, there's a ton of people that tell us that it's one of the best nights of their lives. That's how great the wedding was. So we got a wedding planner. And, you know, they fancied it all up. And I said, there's only one thing I want. And it was uh, an ice luge. I wanted it to be a little down and dirty because everything else was fancy. There was a lot of fanciness at my wedding. So I'm thinking to myself, we'll get the ice luge. I could do uh, some, you know, some shots with my, my uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and sisters. That'll bring down the fanciness a little bit because you got a, a slurpy little uh, ice luge with everyone putting their stupid mouth on the, the ice. We get to the wedding. Everything was perfect, set up beautifully. And I look at the wedding planner like, when are you bringing out the ice luge? Because I'm thinking they, they got it refrigerated, you know, until we need it. She goes, oh, I decided to, to pass on the ice luge. I'm like, it's not your wedding. What do you mean I, I decided? I'm the one who's supposed to decide. And I decided I wanted an ice luge. She goes, yeah, I just didn't think it fit with everything else we're doing. I'm like, fuck fitting. I wanted the ice luge for, you know, for my, uh, for my family. To get rid of some of this fanciness and bring a little white trash into the action. But she was such a hoity-toity wedding planner. You know, the type of wedding planner you see in all those dumb movies. And she, uh... She, she decided not to have the ice luge. So I go, I'll show her. There's another tradition in my family, and she's not going to like this. We used to call her uh, David. 
<laughs> Sorry. I'm assuming one of my brother-in-laws is uh, watching this. We used to call her uh, Davy, Davy Crockett Hair. <laughs> That's only going to make me and maybe two other people laugh right now. <laughs> Davy Crockett Hair. So uh, we have another tradition in our family. I'm like, well, she ain't going to like this one. If she thinks the ice luge is uh, not fancy enough, and, and if she thinks this is a, the ice luge is a bit white trashy, she's not going to like uh, when I pull off my shoe and everyone drinks out of it on the dance floor. And, oh, yeah, did we do that. And when it was my turn, I, I took my shoe I drank all the beer in my goddamn shoe, and I'm looking over at Davy Crockett here. Take this. Fuck you and your stupid ice luge that you didn't set up for us. Jim Sharkey, drink from a shoe. I'd rather boot heroin. Nah, man. And I had the brand new shoes that came with my tux, so it wasn't that bad. But then, then some people got down and dirty. A couple people came to my wedding in sneakers, and... Boy, if we weren't drinking out of the dirty sneakers as well. Ah, uh, hell yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh! Don't have the COVID, thank God. We had a COVID scare in our family, though. A little COVID scare. Another reason why I wasn't on the uh, the live stream. Just before we start our um, our little Thanksgiving Day break. And all of a sudden, we get an email from the school. And the email goes, uh, your son has, has been exposed to COVID. And we're like, what? Because this is like right before we're starting Thanksgiving and we got people coming and all that. So I obviously am a parent, like most of you. Uh, I went into panic mode. I'm not one of these it's no big deal uh, parents. I'm not one of these it's no big deal people. So then I write the lady back. I'm like, what do you mean he's been exposed to COVID? That Because that's all they say. He's been exposed. He has to sit out for a week. All of a sudden, I'm like, you got to give me fucking more. What does this mean? How long was he exposed? What kid was it? And she goes, well, we can't, uh, we can't, uh, we can't tell you which kid, uh, you know, has it in the school. Uh, I'm like, all right. So I'm working around that. Well, was it in his... Uh, he has like sort of like a home. We used to call it homeroom. They called something else. Was it in the homeroom? Because in the homeroom, which is the first 20 minutes of the school day, he's with other kids from other grades, but then he never sees them again. So if it was one of those kids, I'd feel a little better. So it wasn't one of these kids that was in school around him all day. So I'm asking all these questions because we're trying to narrow it down to lower our fear before Thanksgiving. And then the lady writes back. I went red hot. She goes, I appreciate your curiosity, but we can't give any further information. He's been exposed and he has to sit out a week. I'm like, I write back old school of curiosity. Are you kidding? This is more than curiosity. We're kind of scared and need to know more. I go, how dare you say curiosity? How dare you write that word to me? Curiosity when it comes to the coronavirus? No, curiosity is like, huh, I wonder if the apple maple pie is going to be good. I think I'm going to give it a try. That's curiosity. So then she's like writing back quickly, apologizing. And then 
She's like, this would be best if we uh, talked on the phone. And I'm like, of course it would be best because you don't want anything on the record. I hate that. I'd rather go back and forth with text messages and email because then it's all on the record. In all fairness, then she called us and uh, she sort of put us at ease without giving away the name of the kid or anything else. But And then she apologized. She goes, I'm really sorry I used the word... Uh, uh, I appreciate your curiosity or your, or that sentence. I'm, gonna, I, I'm like, you know, I, I'm sure you deal with this a lot and I'm sure it's not easy. But for now on, I would probably drop the word curiosity from your vocabulary when it comes to talking to parents about uh, their kids being exposed to the coronavirus. You know, the, these people that work in these schools, they're in a tough spot. They got to try to figure out how to keep the privacy of the person that happens to have it, but also put a, uh, a lot of parents' minds at ease. <laughs> Joe Rizzo. Joe Rizzo, hey, oh, out of curiosity, how was the apple maple pie? It sucked. But then I ran out of strawberry rhubarb, and I ran out of uh, very berry. And uh, around Thanksgiving, I hate seeing Thanksgiving on the calendar. I know turkeys hate seeing Thanksgiving on the calendar. But I also hate it because I know I'm going to eat a lot of pie. I can't control myself. I think I gained all the weight back that I, I, that I lost in the last month because I've been trying to get my shit back together finally after being a recluse for the last, I don't know, what, two years? Yeah, the apple maple pie stunk. But I was, I was so into eating as much pie as humanly possible because it's Thanksgiving that uh, I just smothered it with vanilla ice cream to make it taste good. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story. So then anyway, we're worried about my son, you know. And then we get, the, we get some tests that you could get at the, the CVS. And uh, last night, we had him take the test, and then we're all just like, I know a lot of you have gone through this. That's why I'm bringing it up. Then we're, we're all just like, how many minutes do we have to wait? My wife's like, uh, I forgot what she said, 15 minutes, I think, 20 minutes. And for 20 minutes, I couldn't wait 20 minutes that I put the, you know, uh, a stopwatch on on my phone so I could just stare at the time. And then all of a sudden she announces, okay, time is up. Let's go see. And we all, as a family, we fucking huddle around the test. This shit is crazy. And we're wondering if we're going to see one line or two lines. And thank God we saw the one line. You never had it. So all that fear and, um, and nervousness uh, was for naught. Two lines. <laughs> one for me and one for you. Oh, we have a key lime pie left. So I got to go through that. And then I could finally say goodbye to the pies. If I start eating that key lime pie, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to see me on the live stream for another couple days. <laughs> you want to talk about feeling bloated. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me and pies? Everyone else worries around the holidays because they're eating a, a whole bunch of stuff. I could say no to 99 out of the 100 things that is put in front of me. But pies is my kryptonite. Oh, my goodness. I told you, the apple uh, maple pie, I smothered it with vanilla ice cream just to make it uh, taste good because I wanted more pie. It's going to be Patrice O'Neill warning. Man, this is all spoken. Man. You know I've been enjoying things that keep
kings and queens will never have. In fact, kings and queens can never get.